Hello, welcome to Avon on the Air, bringing you a conversation that's always lively, sometimes provocative, and never afraid to ask the question, what really happens between the covers of an Avon romance? I'm your host, Lucia Macrow, and today I'm speaking with Caroline Linden, author of Six Degrees of Scandal, which is on sale March 29th, 2016. Caroline Linden was a born reader, but not a writer. She earned a math degree from Harvard University and wrote computer software before turning to fiction, which I can't even begin to go there with the math. Um, 12 years, 16 books, three Red Sox championships, and one dog later, she has never been happier with her decision. Caroline is also the winner of the prestigious Rita Award from the Romance Writers of America and many other awards. Caroline, welcome to Avon on the Air. It's so good to speak with you. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. So this is uh, Six Degrees of Scandal. Um, This is the fourth book, I believe, in a series. Am I right? Yes, it's the fourth and final book in the series, which got dubbed the Scandalous Series. The Scandalous Series. All the titles have scandal in them, and it's, (laughs) it's about a very scandalous underground publication as well, so... So there was that. Yes, this is the last one, though. (laughs) Okay. So I wanted to, I mean, that was, of course, like front and center on my mind is that scandalous publication that's in this um, book. Um, It's called 50 Ways to Sin, and it's sort of Regency. Your editor told me it was sort of Regency era Fifty Shades of Grey. Is that true? Or is she kind of expanding it a little bit? (laughs) That's... um, it's not a bad description. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> that makes it fun. It it was so where it came from was I realized a few years ago that my teenage daughter, who was barely a teenager at the time, had bought Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh my gosh! And I hadn't read it, but I had heard of it. Mm-hmm. And so after I realized that this was sitting on our shared e-reader account, I said. Um, honey, why did you get this book? <laughs> what made you get this book? Right, right. Because it was not at all what she usually read. And after she got over, you know, telling me to mind my own business, right. she said, well, everybody was reading it and talking about it, and I just wanted to know what the fuss was. And I thought, well, there's an yeah. idea. Like, if put that way, who wouldn't want to know what it, the fuss was exactly. about? Exactly. Right? Like, what is this all about? And she's right. It was everywhere for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. and. Everybody knew about it, and it was very much the thing. So that's where I got the idea, uh, part of the idea for mm-hmm. my stories. But I have actually not read Fifty Shades of Grey myself, <laughs> so I, I'm pretty sure it's not like it thematically as... in terms of the writing. Right. <laughs> for the writing part of it, I actually based it off of uh, a very notorious book of the actual time period called Fanny Hill, which is... Uh, in many ways, the original pornographic novel. It's the word pornography was created to describe. Mm, That's a pretty... I have read that book, and I was actually a little surprised at how scandalous that book actually was. Yes. Um, There's a bunch of rumors about it. Uh, Even all these years later, nobody really knows. Um, One of the juicier ones was that somebody made the guy a bet that he he couldn't write a dirty book without using dirty words. And he said, you're on. And so as if you... You said you've read it, so you know. Yeah. It's full of that 18th century flowery euphemistic language. But you're still... Even as it describes very, very kinky things. Yes. So that was sort of my goal in writing 
in these little stories that I envisioned as kind of like a serial pamphlet, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, that, now that serial podcasts have become kind of the thing. Oh, I thought, yeah. well, what if there was this little thing that came out in little issues, like you know, one or two a week, and it was very risque and um, sort of an underground publication as Fanny Hill was. Mm-hmm. Fanny Hill was considered so bad, both the author and the publisher got sent to prison. <laughs> Can you imagine if that happened today? <laughs> oh my god! Um, it wouldn't be my book. I just no, want to say I book. have no, 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 no desire no, no, no. to go to jail <laughs> or to send anyone at Avon to jail. That's cra- yeah. I it's crazy. Um, so I also loved that it's you know it's these Regency era serial stories, and one of the things about the Regency era and and other historical eras is that these serial stories or pamphlets. I sort of think of them as the Facebook or Twitter of their day. Do you think that is that a good analogy or am I just making this up because it just sounds like a good thing? <laughs> it, it's not a bad analogy mm-hmm. um, in that it was one of the – I envision these as being very cheap mm-hmm. to produce and very cheap to sell so that they were available to a hugely broad spectrum of mm-hmm. society. Whoever wanted one could scrape together a few pennies and get one. Um, that was my goal, so that they could literally be in anybody's hands, right? Right. And everybody's hands. Um, Facebook is maybe not Facebook so pervasive, and and these wouldn't be like that, but right. it would definitely be uh, you know along the lines of an ebook that somebody there, could maybe buy that's a for yeah for ninety nine cents and mm-hmm. have discreetly on their e reader, and no one would need to know exactly what they were reading. I. Right. Purposely describe them as looking very plain. <laughs> in, uh, I think in in my novella, uh, one of the heroes gets a hold of one of them and he looks at it and he's like, "What is this? A Bible tract?" <laughs> because I wanted them to be very much undercover. Right. No, it's it's really it's just such a fun. And do we ever find out? And I will admit, I do not know. Do we find out who wrote it? Yes. During the course Six of Degrees of Scandal is the last one. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> well, we don't have to give any more of that than that away. Don't want the readers to know if they haven't read everything yet. <laughs> no, it, the the identity of the mysterious author calls herself Lady Constance, and mm-hmm. I wanted it to be an open question going throughout as people wondered who is doing this. Mm-hmm. I structured them to be sort of like celebrity fanfic. Oh, fun. Almost like if you decided to, you know, write a series of, of uh, stories that were like, you know, this was the night I, I shagged Ryan Gosling, <laughs> and this was the night I hooked up with Antonio Banderas, and then two weeks later I ran into um, uh, who Leo DiCaprio, <laughs> and we got it on for a week in Vegas. You know, like that kind of thing is is how I set it up. So the loose idea is that Lady Constance is modeled her uh, amorous partners on famous people or semi-famous people in London so that everybody knows who she's talking oh my about. Gosh. And, and she's very complimentary. So many of these guys are, when people say, is that you? And they're like, yes. They just, they're they're kind of like, no, as they <laughs> nod their head, yes. <laughs> yes, I am the guy who gave her five orgasms in one night. And... <laughs> So um, I, I kind of wanted that to be there because in one of the – I wrote a novella as part of the series called mm-hmm. All's Fair and Love and Scandal, and that's sort of the plot of 
that novella. Somebody thinks they've figured out who Lady Constance is, and the hero kind of gets dared to proving it one way or the other. Oh my gosh, that's so fun. <laughs> so there's, there's a bit of a confrontation scene at the end where, where somebody calls my heroine of the novella. Uh, he calls her Lady Constance in front of everybody, and, and then there's a bit of a to-do over that. Ooh. But anyway, <laughs> I, just, I wanted to just have fun with it and do something that was familiar enough to modern readers. Mm-hmm. I think we can all understand the lure of getting our hands on something that's yes. you know, really spicy and interesting <laughs> and, and also very much talked about. It, it would be the sort of thing that everybody would be talking about behind their fans at the ball. Mm-hmm. And so I, I also wrote them in part to give my heroines, most of whom are unmarried young girls, some, shall we say, expectations uh, yes. about what being married was like. And not only expectations, but really high expectations. High expectations. Which romance so, novels are sometimes accused of giving young women, <laughs> um, I have to well, say. Well, I don't, I don't think anything in my books is unrealistic. <laughs> um, but it, it, I guess when I first started reading romance, I was never that fond of the scene where the young woman comes into her wedding night totally ignorant or, right. or even worse, scared of what's about to happen about that, to her. Yeah. You know, the horrible scene where... She, where they get down to the crucial moment and she gasps and says, oh, it's so big. It's yes, so there's big. always that moment. <laughs> I changed my mind. This does not look like fun after all. <laughs> so I never really liked that because it puts all the, you know, the, the, the guy always has some experience, right? And it's, it's yeah. always the woman who doesn't. And I, I never really liked that, even though the way my stories were written, the heroines didn't have any experience. Mm-hmm. So I wanted them to have at least knowledge. That's great. I like that. Now, the heroine, though, in this particular book, Six Degrees of Scandal, she's a widow. She is a widow. So it's a little bit different. And I thought it was, I mean, this is maybe a little bit more serious question than we were talking about just a few seconds ago. But I'm always struck in romance novels that, I, I mean, and I love this too. Like, I love the 1800s and I find it so romantic and there's balls and there's the dresses and there's so much that's like sweep you away kind of romantic. But the one thing that struck me during this book, and it may have just been what struck me, I don't know, was that in many ways it was such an unromantic time in that women were often basically just worth whatever they could bring as a marriage, like, chattel in a way. And she's sort of, by her parents, married off to this older, older man because her first love... Um, he hightails it out for a couple of weeks, and there is no, like, email or anything for him to say, I'm coming back. And they think he's kind of abandoned her. So, um, I don't know, I think, I just think it's very interesting, kind of. It is. It's, it's unromantic, but at the same time, people get married today for all kinds of crazy yeah, reasons. Yeah, that's true. It's just, today they can undo it. They can realize, oops, that week in Vegas was a horrible <laughs> was mistake. A <laughs> and a month later, they're at the divorce lawyer saying, we are, yeah. this is not going to last. Right, we made a horrible <laughs> mistake. <laughs> exactly. This was wrong. But today, everybody admits, well, you shouldn't be stuck with each other for life mm-hmm. because you got smashed at Caesars <laughs> and ended up in a wedding chapel. Or even worse, you know, you were childhood sweethearts and you didn't know anybody else and you got married when you were... Very young. Very young, and you made a mistake. Maybe you grew out of the relationship, or things took a terrible turn, or, Mm -hmm. you know, life happens, and life changes. Mm -hmm. So, 
I, I just think that the main difference today is that people have a way out that they didn't really have back right. then. So I think that's what makes it much more heartbreaking and, in a, and poignant yeah. and, and colder in a way back then. They, they knew that it was, it was one of you was going out in a casket. <laughs> that would be the end of it. And until then, you were stuck. Yeah. So. And sometimes, I mean, you had to make the best of it. Um, but luckily for, well, this sounds terrible, but luckily for Olivia, she gets a second chance. With, with well, James. her first marriage is, yeah. it's, it's just not happy. It's a complete marriage of convenience. Mm-hmm. And I love the marriage of convenience trope where the two people end up falling in love with like each other. Too. But I also think that was probably fairly rare. Yeah. <laughs> and that a lot of those arranged marriages didn't go so well. Mm-hmm. And and so that's what happens to her. It's not that it's horrible. He doesn't beat her. He just they just don't like each other. They don't mm-hmm. they don't spend any time together and they're two strangers living in the same house. So uh what he actually does is much worse. He's he's involved in her first husband is involved in illegal stuff and mm-hmm. she doesn't know anything about it, but after he dies it starts coming back to haunt her and that's the mystery that she has to solve to save herself in in this book as one of her husband's her first husband's business partners shows up and is determined to get something out of her and mm-hmm. she of course has no idea what it is because she didn't know anything about her husband's life which was also often the case like you would live these parallel lives and sort of like not really it wouldn't really intersect so. right and a lot of times people consider that women it wasn't really her place to know anything about right. the money or his business. That was men's stuff, and she would do women's stuff, which was run the house and fix the clothes and, right. you know, preside over the table and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a pretty sexist time, but there are examples, real-life examples of women who totally kicked over those traces and, and did their own thing. Marriages who where the people were equal partners and got along great and were violently in love. So I don't feel that we're writing, <laughs> we're not writing science fiction. No. <laughs> we're, we're, we're picking the, the gems of, of true things that mm-hmm. could have happened, that were plausible, and focusing on those. Mm-hmm. Well, that's my view of it anyway. <laughs> no, I think you're right. I think you're right. So now um, you mentioned the Scandal series is going to be over. Um, what's next for you? I am really excited about my next book because when I wrote my very first book, oh goodness, many years ago, mm-hmm. maybe 12 years ago oh at gosh. this point, I had a secondary character in the book called the Duke of Ware. And he's only in the book for like three chapters. He's not a big character. I got so much email. Oh, how interesting. Him. When are you going to write about this guy? And um, the book was reissued last year, and I got a whole new flood of it. Are you going to ever write about this guy? Where is his story? I've been combing your website, and I can't find it. (laughs) So I'm really excited. I'm finally going to write his story. And it's been a long time coming, but he he was a favorite character of mine as well. So I'm looking forward to it. What do you think it was about him that may have, like, sparked reader interest? The only thing I can guess is the backstory that I shared in that that first book was that he'd had his heart broken a long time ago and never got over it. Oh, and so that's it. <laughs> I think I said he used to be a bit of a wild boy, you know, a, a playboy running around town, but then he got his heart broken and, and it really changed him. And now he's sort of this 
cold and aloof person withdrawn but maybe just you know hiding his broken heart i think that's it it's the broken heart people want to know so i'm about to put him back with the girl who broke his heart oh my goodness we'll see what happens (laughs) well caroline it was so great to speak with you about six degrees of scandal and all things scandalous And so excited that the Duke of Ware is going to get his story coming soon. So thank you so much for visiting with me here at Avon on the Air. It was my pleasure. Thank you again for inviting me. This was fun. Oh, you're welcome. So thank you all for listening. This is Lucia Macro for Avon on the Air. And we'll catch you next week. Talk to you soon. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to Avon on the Air. This episode was edited by Nathan Rossborough with production help from Jennifer Monroe. The books featured in this episode are available for purchase wherever books are sold. We hope you'll join us next time as we hear more from your favorite authors, all brought to you by Avon on the Air.